Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna, our Bible reader is going to come from 1 Kings chapter 19. Beginning with verse 9, chapter 19. This is a conversation God had with a prophet named Elijah. And I believe it's a powerful conversation that can teach us a lot about the Lord and how to get my mind in the right place. Elijah was running away from a situation. And he decided to run to this mountain that he met God before there. And here's the conversation they have. He gets to the mountain, but the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? It's a powerful question, my friends. I believe it's a question that God will pose to all of us. What are you doing here? It's amazing how life can go by without us ever stop to ask the question, What am I doing here? And when I say here, I don't mean just the physical place. I mean in my mind, in my emotions, in my relationships. What am I doing here? This is the premise of this whole series is how do we apprehend our minds to be in the moment and to see God there? Elijah replied, he said, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. This is why Elijah thought he was here. He says, I'm here because they're trying to kill me, Lord. Anyone feel under pressure today? Here's what God says. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was a, such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said again, what are you doing here, Elijah? If you're reading the Bible correctly, here's how you need to read this. What are you doing here? What's your name? Let's try that again. (laughs) What are you doing here? Some of you guys have a name. Some of you guys are not sure. What's my name? My name is... Um, what are you doing here? What a powerful question. So powerful that God has to ask twice. Because you see, God was trying to get them to understand, you're in a physical place. But I'm not asking you about physical place. I'm asking you, what are you doing here in your emotions, in your mind? How'd you get here, Elijah? 
That's what we're going to wrestle with. That's why this is not going to fall in your lap. If you don't tune in, I think you're going to miss probably the most important message of this series. This month, I, I did two funerals. And you're like, oh boy, pastor, we're going to get morbid already. It's too early in the morning. I'm talking about funerals. No, we're going somewhere here. But I did two funerals. And I've done a lot of funerals. And there's always this recurring theme that God puts in my heart to share at funerals. No matter what I'm sharing, it, it always comes down to this theme of, are we pausing enough to reflect on our lives? And nothing does that more than funerals. Because funeral is a forced pause in life. We didn't ask for it, right? But funerals will make you stop and reflect. Not just on your life, but on your legacy. Right? And what's fascinating is we don't like funerals. We don't like talking about funerals because we don't want to think about dying, right? And that's that's okay. But the reality is this. I've seen a lot of good come out of funerals. I've seen people turn their lives around because of a funeral. Some of you in this room, you've told me the, the first time you, you, you made a connection with the church was through a funeral. It made you think. It made you reflect. How am I living my life? And, and, and what's going on truly with me? In other words, why am I here? And if you allow it, funerals could be what can truly be the catalyst for the next big thing in your life. But I'm firmly convinced of this that we don't have to wait till funerals to have these moments and we don't have to wait for crisis what we just read was a crisis he's in a crisis he has received a death threat and it made him so paranoid that he began to run away from the very place that God had placed him in see the thing is if we don't stop to ask the question why am I here we might run away from the very thing that God has for us Sometimes the situation may get really tough and, and, and you might, your, your marriage might be shaken. It doesn't mean God is telling you to run away from me. God is asking you, why did you get married in the first place? Or why did you have kids? Or why did you start this business? I'm telling you, why is a powerful question that we all need to stop once in a while to face it head on. And I'm telling you, the more head on you face it, the more productive it becomes. So it's no coincidence that God's asking him twice why are you here? Because what do we normally do with the first question? How are you doing? We say, I'm fine. But then we got to double up with, but how are you truly doing? That's what the Holy Spirit will do. If you allow him to really invade your life, he will make you pause. Pause is a powerful necessity in life. Because life gets busy. We get busy. But I think if we don't stop the pause, life will just pass us by. Next thing you know, 10 years went by without reflecting what happened this last decade in my life. And I believe this with all my heart that the Lord is so involved in our lives that if we stop long enough to let these questions resonate within our souls, there's going to be some powerful things that will happen in us and also through us. Because as you can see with this, if you keep reading, God wasn't just concerned with Elijah. God was concerned with what he wanted to do through Elijah. God is never just concerned with you. He's concerned with what he wants to do through you. But if we don't stop to ask these questions, my friends, I'm afraid that we're allowing hurry to get the best of us. We're allowing busyness to get the best of us. And I want to propose to you this morning that your enemy is not necessarily the devil. The enemy of your mind and your soul is hurry, is noise, 
and his crowds. Those three things is what's really getting in the way and hindering us from really hearing the voice of God and hearing his, his, his purpose for our lives and the direction that he wants to take us. That's why funerals hits us hard because it's almost like it's a hard break in life to say, what are you doing? But we don't have to wait till funerals to reflect. We don't have to wait for a crisis to hit. We just have to be more intentional about sitting down and asking the question, why am I here? Here's a powerful prophet of the Lord had to stop to, ask the question, to, to, to answer that question from himself. Why am I here? You know, you can go to church forever and never ask the question, why though? Not just church, but why would God put you in a specific community of people? Could be anywhere in the world. But God says, I want you here. Have you ever stopped to ask the question, why God, this church, this community? I believe that's where we can get the most out of life. We can get all the juices out of life when we stop enough to ask those questions. And the problem is sometimes we don't want to face the answer to those questions. Because the hardest thing to face sometimes is ourselves, isn't it? It's so much easier for me to tell you why you're here as opposed to me asking the question for myself. Because after I'm done with you, I still have to answer this question for myself. Why am I here? What is the purpose of all this? You see, God will use a pause to take you deeper. Because here's the thing that I find fascinating with reading the Bible is that every time you ask God a question, he asks you a question. There is actually a rabbinical thing in the Jewish tradition where questions are the answers. (laughs) Because we live in a society where it's like, just give me the answer. The problem is, I can give you the answer, but you don't know how I got there. So it's not about getting the answer, it's about the journey to the answer. It's embracing that tension of, I may not get fully what I want here, but it's, gonna t- it's a catalyst for where I'm trying to go next. I'm telling you, this will change the game for us if we can stop long enough to start asking some questions, starting with why. Notice that in this particular scenario... God was making a point to Elijah where God made some things happen on the outward, but he's like, I'm not in that. In other words, sometimes just commotion is just noise. Sometimes being busy is just an excuse to really facing what's really going on. And sometimes we'd rather be busy than to ask the questions. Because those questions will plague you, but it's a beautiful thing if you allow it because it will shape you. It will mold you more than your busyness will ever do. Sometimes people are busy because they feel lonely. Why do people get high? It's not about the high. It's what you're, you're hoping the high will do. You're hoping the high will conceal the hurt and the disappointment. You hope the high will bring peace. You hope that this relationship will somehow bring the result that you want. That's why we do certain things. That's why some people will get from relationship to relationship and never ask the question, but why though? Why do I have such a need in my soul to keep always being connected to somebody? And relationships are powerful, but when we want the other person to be God... That's why they don't work. It's a lot of pressure to put another person to be your savior, to be your, 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 the one that makes you happy, the one that makes you, you know, come out of your funk, and the, and the one that, that, that can have, all, like, that's a lot of pressure. 
That's why a lot of relationships don't work because we want people to be what God only can be for us. I'm telling you. Carl Jung said this pretty powerful. He says, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. Let that sink in for a second. Being in a hurry is missing the gentle whisper of God. We don't know how many times Moses was in that desert until he, he caught up with the fact that God was there trying to speak to him. It's the same desert. Just maybe he, he stopped long enough to realize that God was there. When you stop long enough, you realize that God is there in that desert of life. And sometimes it's deserts that actually leads to breakthroughs. Are you tracking so far? Why are you here? You got you to gotta wrestle with that question. And I don't mean here physically only. I mean like why are you here in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, in your decisions, in your relationships, in your finances, and so on and so forth. Powerful question to consider. Listen, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. God himself encourages you to stop. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still is another word for pause. The word pause is spread throughout the Gospels and, and throughout the Bible. The word pause in Hebrew is the word selah, which means to think, to reflect. To not just go to the next thing without asking the question, how does this shape me? If you take notes today, you don't go home and digest it. It doesn't mean anything. It's just notes. The notes is supposed to help you sit with the Holy Spirit and says, okay, now, now let's, let's talk about how and why does that mean something to me personally. Because if not, it's just notes. You see, I don't think we need more information. We need more application. We have plenty of information. We, don't, we have information we don't even know what to do with it. We have a lack of application. But application comes when I sit with the information and let it become not just knowledge, but wisdom. Because knowledge is just knowing some things. Wisdom is not what to do with that knowledge now. That's why there's a disconnect in the church between what we know and what we do. Because we don't stop long enough to bridge the gap between the knowing and the doing. This is what God is doing through a prophet. A man who is coming out of a, an amazing victory. He just came out of an amazing victory and, and he finds himself running away from God. Why? Because all of a sudden his emotions and his feelings got the best of him because someone threatened him. It's amazing how something can threaten us out of God's will. If we don't stop to say, why am I running away from this? Why do people, again, go to extremes of getting high? It's, it's, it's trying to hide. But the problem is you got to come back to it. It's still there. You know, they say, we're talking about the brain. They say the brain, when the brain gets drunk, right? When the brain gets drunk, what it does is it suppresses memory for a season, but not forever. So in other words, after you get drunk, that thing is still there. You still have to deal with it. So I never tell people, don't stop drinking. You know what I say is, why do you drink? I was talking to a group of teenagers the other day. We were talking about the whole weed thing. And I said, I don't tell you not to, do, not to smoke weed. I'll ask you, why do you think someone needs to smoke weed? 
Because if I tell you not to smoke weed, you're going to go do it anyways. The question is, why do you feel the urge to have a substance control your mind? When God who created you can have that same access into your mind. This is why I, I have a hard time with religion. Because religion will just tell you, do this and don't do this. But we don't get to the why. We got to get to the why. Because if I don't get to the why, what I will continue to do is I'll continue to put band-aids on broken legs. See, what God was trying to do with Elijah here was saying, listen, this is not going to be a quick fix, Elijah. I need you to stop and consider why are you running away. And we don't like that. That makes us feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel uncomfortable. To have to stop and say, okay, but why do I, why do, I do that? Why do I preach? Why do, why, do, why, why do I start a church? Why do I do all this stuff? You've got to ask those questions because if you don't stop, if you don't ask those questions, life will just keep passing you by. And there will, you will be empty in the middle of, I mean, with, with a lot of things. It's amazing you'll be surprised how many people I talk to who has, on the outside they have everything, but they're empty on the inside. Because those things we think is going to fulfill you ends up robbing you. Of the joy and the peace. Nothing wrong with having things, but they're not supposed to have us. And we identify ourselves with the things that we do as opposed to who we are. That's why when someone breaks your heart, you go into depression because you made that person become your identity. So why is so powerful? And for some of you, you've been in church so long that you've, you stop asking the question, why am I even a Christian? And you can fall in a religious category very quickly where you just did it. You punched in, you punched out, but there's no why. In other words, there's no life in the church life. It's just religion. So this is a powerful thing to stop and ask, why am I here? You see, the thing we need to understand, my friends, is when God says, be still and know that I am God, he's saying, be still and know that it's about me. Now, I hope you can, you can follow me here. A lot of times, it's not God we want. We just want what he has to give us. Some people just use God. They don't want God. That's why they get disappointed when a prayer doesn't get answered. Because it's like, it wasn't God you wanted. You just wanted him to do something for you. But he's telling you, no, you need to pause long enough to know me. Because if you know me, then, then of course I'm going to bless you. Because I'm the God that loves to bless his kids. But first, you need to know that it's about me. And my relationship with you is way more important than anything I can give you. Because I can give you stuff. And that stuff can lure you away from my presence and from my will. If you don't know why I give you the stuff. He says, listen, my friends, I hope you catch this today. God is not a means to an end. God is the means and the end. If God's not the means and the end, we will always feel conflicted and we'll always feel empty, even when we have a lot of things. Ministry is an outward expression of my heart for God, not the other way around. If I let ministry define me, then I'm in trouble. It has to be that God defines me in order to do ministry. You see, what Elijah was going through was interesting because I don't know if you caught it. He said this. He said, look, 
I'm doing my best here, and I'm the only one left. What happens is, if you begin to identify yourself with what you do, you think you're the only one doing it. Keep reading. If you read the rest of the story, God's like, let me give you some perspective. I actually have about 7,000 people doing what you're doing right now. (laughs) But because we're so quick to victimize ourselves, we have a tendency to think, look, I'm the only one. You'd be surprised how many people talk like that. I'm the only, like, God, you see what I did for you? Which is a really funny thing to tell God. That's like, you know, your parents, you can identify with this, right? That's like, I don't know, if, I know you guys do this, because parents, we're trying to teach our kids, right? Sometimes you're doing a chore, you bring them with you to do it with you. But the reality is, they make more of a mess. But they're proud, right? Like, Dad, I'm helping. Right, parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they go take out the trash, and it's like worse than it was before. Like, yeah, I could have done this myself. There's like stuff all over the floor. But they're like, Dad, you see that? Why do we do that? Because we want our kids to learn, right, with us. That's what ministry is. God doesn't need us. He wants us to do it with him, right? But sometimes because we lose perspective of the why, we think, look what I did. I got that person saved. You did? I'm the one that prayed that thing into existence. I'm the one that brought, oh, See, if you don't stop long enough, you start, you start saying things that are laughable to God. Did you know that Bible says that God laughs at us? No, I'm serious. Psalms. God says, I laugh at what you, some of the stuff you say because you, your perspective is so small. You're like, you're like my little son who thinks he's Stephen Curry. <laughs> it's amazing to me how we can lose perspective real quick. And we make it about us. But God's got a different eye view. He's like, oh, I'm actually, you make more of a mess. But because I love you, I'm trying to help you understand you can contribute. You know, it's like when I say, hey, let's go work at the building. And we're like, if I have the time. You know what the Bible says? God's laughing at you. <laughs> if he has the time, <laughs> who does he think gives him time? I think God goes like, we don't need Kevin Hart. This guy's make us laugh like all the time with what they say. I'm telling you, from God's perspective, it's pretty funny the stuff we say. Like, we sound, like, so amazing. But the truth is, it's just that insecurity speaking. Elijah's like, I'm the only one, God, left. God's like, <laughs> yeah, you're funny, dude. You... There's like 7,000 more of you just, just around the corner. Why do I say this? Because we need to take perspective and pressure off of things because we think we're, we're, we're it like we made this if i don't do this oh yeah. someone asked me like are you stressed about the building thing i was like no because it's not my building if it was i'd be in trouble it's not my building i have to keep surrendering that i have to keep surrendering that keep surrendering that and you know what this white question will help us all do is hold things loosely, not tightly. We gotta hold things loosely. My friends, we gotta stop and ask why do I get so uptight? 
Why is it that every time someone checks me on something, my first reaction is to get mad? Could it be that sometimes God's trying to point point something and saying, why are you so always mad? Why is it that anger is your default? Why is depression your default mode? Why is negativity your default mode? Why do you always go there? You got to stop asking those questions because if not, you keep blaming. But you'll never get to the surgery. Blaming is just another band-aid. Surgery is like, okay, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to do with me? Why is so powerful? You know why? Because why makes you the center of the attention and no one else? It's you and God. So he takes him to this mountain to teach him this valuable lesson. Listen, it's not about what you can do for me, Elijah. It's understanding. Do you know who I am? Is it me that you want? Here's where we get disappointed. We get disappointed when we created God in our own image. Can I go a little deeper? Why does Judah betray Jesus? It's a powerful question. Why? You know why? He wanted Jesus to fit his mold. Judas had a concept of Messiah that a lot of Jews had. They believed the Messiah is supposed to be someone that would come and fight physically against the Romans and give them freedom. And so when, Ju- when Jesus was not fit in that mold, Judas decided, if I betray him, maybe I'm going to force him into violence. And when Jesus didn't react the way Judas thought he would react, then he led him to remorse to realize, oh my God, he's not who I thought he is. The why will get you to that place. You realize, oh my God, Jesus is not here for me. I'm here for him. Oh, that, that will change everything. Then you will, you will stop getting disappointed with God because God never told you that he's going to do what you want him to do. And how does Jesus respond to Judas? It's beautiful. It's powerful. He said, friend, why do you betray me with a kiss? Don't you think that's what really drove Judas crazy? He thought Jesus would say, I can't believe you did that. He says, no, friend. Jesus loves you even in the moments where you don't know why your why is why. Why are you here? That's a question you need to spend the week on. And that's a question you have to go back to a few times. And to master this is going to take a lifetime. You know, they say it takes 15 years to become an overnight success. We just want to arrive, but we don't arrive, my friends. It's a journey. It's a journey to get to that place of learning that it's not about me. But when God is God, then I'll be okay. See... I'm trying to get us to a mature place where even when God doesn't answer your prayer, he's still God. He's still good. He's still faithful. He's still loving. 
He still cares about you. He still will bless you. It may not be the way you want him to do it, but he's going to do it because he's faithful to keep his word over you. And if you just allow him to pull back the curtains, he might show you deeper revelations that you would ever have if he just gave you everything. Because some people have gotten what they asked for and then they walked away from God. But my friends, this takes being still. We can't be fidgety to get this. I've been doing my best with this series to try to help us slow down. I even brought a chair up here. As you can see, it's not helping me today. (laughs) Because I'm trying to get us to slow down. Because busy is not necessarily a good thing. When I was younger, if you say, you know, you're busy... I took that as a badge of honor. Super pastor, always busy, saving the world. Now I look at it as, why are you putting that on me? Because most of you approach me that way. I know you're busy. But it's like, no, here's what I'm trying to do. If you approach me, that's important. That moment is sacred. Because God is in that moment. And I'm trying to slow down so I can see you better. So I can see my kids better. So I can see my wife better. I'm trying to walk slower. Today, after church, when you see me, watch my feet and just. Because if not, I might miss you. And you might miss me. And then I go home, I miss my wife. And I'll miss my kids. And next thing you know, they're driving. Sometimes everything we've, we need is in, right in front of us. We just haven't stopped long enough to consider it. That perhaps it's all here. That's what God was trying to tell Elijah. You know what he told him after the conversation? After he asked him the question, why again? You know what he told him? It blows my mind. I would think at this moment, God would be like, give me a buddy. I know she tried to kill you. Crazy Jezebel. <laughs> You know what God says? Go read it. God says, I, want you, I need you to go back. I got some things for you to do. See, we don't, we don't think of God that way because we just want to be cuddled. But God knows, like, if I just cuddle you here, you won't learn anything. I need you to go back and face this thing head on. I got stuff for you to do. Let me translate that for you. I need you to go back and work on that marriage. I need you to go back and mend things with your kids. I need you to go back and be the best employee you can be. I need you to go back. I don't want you running away. I want you there. I want, I want to be God with you in those moments. I want to be God with you when you feel like you can't pay your bills. I want to be your God right there. You don't have to go try to do something shady to earn money. I want to be your God. I want you to give me room to provide for you in a miraculous way that you didn't think I can do. I need you to be there. I don't want you getting high. You know why? Every time you get high, you've missed the opportunity for me to heal you. I need you to let those things come crazy in your mind. But trust me, surrender to me so I can heal you there, so I can empower you there. You don't need to sleep around. Just surrender to me. You don't need to go somewhere else. It's amazing how the enemy does that so well. Go somewhere else. The moment God doesn't do something we want or someone, someone offends us, what do we say? God told me to move on. Are we sure it's God? 
Most of the times I read scriptures, God's saying, I want you to stay there and work it out. If we're going to say this is a church family, families work things out. Families don't walk away. Families don't run away. They stay. My friends, it takes centered prayers. You know what blows my mind about Jesus? He was supposed to save the world. And you would think his, his schedule would be hectic. You would think Jesus was busy 24-7 a day for those three and a half years that he was on earth. But nothing is further from the truth. Jesus spent 90% of his time in one region. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. If he was supposed to be saving the world, he should be going everywhere and telling everyone. But Jesus knew, I need to focus to develop others that's going to take this message further. And you know what Jesus did often? You can see this throughout the Gospels. Every time Jesus would go and preach and heal, he would walk away and isolate himself to go pray, to go meditate, to go center himself on the will of God. When he sent out his disciples to do ministry, they came back excited. You know the first thing he did? He goes, okay, now let's, let's get away. Why? So you don't identify yourself with that success. Sometimes it's not failure that gets us. It's success that gets us. Because now we're like, I got this. I did this. That's what Elijah was doing. Hey, God, you see what I just did for you? Funny thing is God never mentions that. God's like, you didn't do that for me. I did that through you. <sighs> Why is important. When Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, it's a very difficult time for him. See, a lot of times we say that loosely, but we forget that this is... This was the death penalty of that time. He was stressed over it. He was so stressed that the scientific thing that happened to Jesus in that moment is that his sweat glands mixed with his sweat and, and he began to sweat blood. It's the highest level of stress. Because his physical side knew that this is gonna this is gonna be heavy, this is gonna be difficult. And what does he do? He says, I need to go pray. And what does he pray? He says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see, why will get you to the heart of God? He had every reason to run away from that situation. Say, God, this is too much. I shouldn't do this. But he says, not my will, but your will be done. You see, I'm hoping that we can get to a level of maturity where it's not about me anymore. It's God, what is your will here? What do you want to do? Because a lot of times when I hear people say, God told me, it usually means there's no sacrifice involved. But there's no walking with God without sacrifice. He actually says obedience is better than sacrifice. So what does he do? He walks away. He begins to pray about going to the cross. And he asks some of his friends to come with him, to pray with him. And what did they do? They fell asleep. And what does he say? Watch this. He says this. Look. Here's the pause moment for Jesus. Go, go to that scripture somewhere. Matthew 26, 41. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. My friends, it's in these moments of tension that the rubber meets the road. It's in these moments that, that God separates the, the pretenders from the followers. It's in these moments of difficult, of sacrifice, that I can flee 
or I can submit. And some of us today in this room, we got to ask the question, why do I always run away from commitment? Why is it so much easier for me to come to church than actually to be church? The Spirit is willing, my friends. In other words, the Spirit of God is here and He wants to, but your flesh needs to submit to it. Because the Spirit is a gentleman. He won't force this thing. But this is where the rubber meets the road of, of great marriages. Great marriages happen when the Spirit is willing, even when the flesh is weak. Great parenting happens when the Spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. Great businesses are born when it's easier to cut corners than to stay the course. Great churches are born when we stay together through thick and thin to come hell or high water. We say the Spirit is willing, therefore are we going to submit the flesh to the Spirit. Great people are born in adversity. The cross was his adversity. And he says, any man will come after me will also have to take up his cross and follow me. God will put a burden in your heart not to run away from, but to run with. To run with. So my friends, what God was doing there with Elijah, he does it with us, is teaching us to pause, to stop. And to let these questions take root. In our hearts. If you're taking notes, meditation is simply the ability to hear God's voice and obey His word. You see, it's not just saying, I heard God, it's, it's what you do with what you heard. Because at the end of the conversation, He says, No, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go back and do what I asked you to do. God will speak. The problem is, He won't say the things we want to hear sometimes. I need you to go back and mend that relationship. I need you to go back and work on that marriage. I need you to go back and stop cutting corners in your business. I need you to go back and forgive. I need you to go back and serve again. I need you to go back and give again. I'm telling you, what God will say will require sacrifice. It's not complicated, my friends. It's the ability to have this, this familiarity with Jesus, that Jesus is now in the, in the sanctuary of our souls. He reigns there, and he leads me. I don't lead him. He leads me. Let me just say something quick here about meditation. It's so important. Eastern meditation says, empty your mind to reach the state of nirvana. That's not what God is talking about here. God says, fill your mind with my word so you can do my will. So you can actually be filled with my purpose so it comes out of you. Because an empty mind is a scary place. It's about filling your mind with the will and the purpose of God. Joshua 1.8 says this. I love this. When, when, here's Joshua facing a crisis. Moses is dead. And God says, Joshua, you're going to lead these people. One million people. Hear what God says to Joshua in that situation. He says, look, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. Did you, did you catch the progression of that? Right? He said, study these words. Study them. Let them fill your mind and your heart 
Because when you do that, then when you do what I asked you to do, you will prosper and succeed in all you do. You see the progression? Most of the times we want to the prospering part. But God's like, first got to feed your mind with my word and my instructions. In other words, you can't let your feelings be the reason why you're living your life. It's got to be that you're rooted here in my word. Then you will prosper and succeed. We all want to prosper and succeed. So here is the principle. Let's learn to stop and meditate on him. Refusing. Listen, here's, here's where it gets interesting. When I meditate on God's word, I'm refusing to let other people tell me about God. Most people are okay with someone else telling them about God. God is saying, why use a third person when we can talk directly? If we do this right, I will be out of a job. You didn't, you didn't catch that. <laughs> you, you, you won't necessarily... Listen, here's the thing. I could pray for you, but it's more powerful when you take authority and pray for yourself. And start laying hands on your own self. And start believing for yourself. I can come to your house and bless your house. But man, when you are the priest of your own house and you start walking around your own house and say, this is my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you start anointing your kids and you start anointing your marriage and you start anointing your finances and you start anointing your every part of your life. Watch what God will do. The thing is, that's too much work for some of us. We'd rather someone else do it. And that's what religion is. When someone else does it for me. It's been there from the beginning. When, when, when God showed up to talk to the Israelites, they got so scared. They told Moses, no, you go talk to him. Because when God shows up, man, it's awesome. Awesome. It's not just goosebumps and feelings. It's revelation that leads you to your knees. Every time God shows up, people go on their knees. Because it's too awesome. You gotta want God for yourself. And you gotta want God, not what He can do for you. But if you get God, you get everything. He says, Those who delight in me, I will give the desires of their hearts. How cool is that? God knows the desires of your heart. He says, If you delight in me, I'm gonna take care of you. Because I'm God. And I can't deny myself. But you got to learn to sit with him. So let me get practical as we end here. Listen, let me get practical because I want you to be able to do this. All of us can do this. This is not just for some people. This is for anyone who wants to be close to God, who wants to have intimacy with him, and also who wants to be active in his will and his purpose. So here's how you do this. Remember, you are a priest. I need you to establish that right away. You're a priest. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Remember, you're a priest. Right? So as a priest, you can come to God any moment, any time, any situation you want. And I want to teach you something that's been going, this has been around for centuries. It's just that in modern times, we have lost our way with some of the stuff. This is not new, but matter of fact, this is not me. This is me plagiarizing church history. Just passing down what's been passed down to us. That you can have this kind of relationship with God. You can hear the voice of God. I know this may sound creepy and weird. I know some people hear God all the time. And trust me, some people are weird. But you can hear the voice of God. You can hear him lead you. You can hear him guide you and, and, and show you things. It's not complicated. Watch this. So how do we do this? Well, you, you learn to meditate by meditating. Revelation. 
Now, it's about creating a pace of life in the midst of your busyness. Life is not going to stop. It's up to you to stop. But don't wait for a funeral to make you stop. Don't wait for a crisis to make you stop. It's about intentionally pausing throughout life and seeking God for yourself. So here's some practical things, right? Here's some, first of all, you want to be comfortable when you're meditating and praying. But you don't want it to be too comfortable where you fall asleep. And if you do fall asleep, you can be religious and say, I fell asleep with Jesus. <laughs> I took a nap with Jesus. It was awesome. Which is okay. Sometimes a nap is the most spiritual thing you can do. Trust me. You know, some of y'all, you need a nap. Trust me. I see your faces right now. But you need a, a comfortable place. I like to sit and get comfortable. You need a meeting place. Because here's the thing with your brain and your mind. Environments affect your brain and your mind. Some of you guys who are married and take your wives on dates, you know, you have those special places. You're like, this is where we fell in love and, and this is where you proposed to me. And then you're like, why are you taking me back there? Don't elbow anybody. But there are special places that reminds you of certain experiences. You know, since we moved here to New Bedford, I have two places that I go to. But I won't tell you because I don't want you showing up at my meditation place. You find your own. And the third one, this is for people who are new to this, okay? I say a timer. Here's why I say a timer, because I don't want you to get caught up on how much time went by, because your mind will wonder. So if you're beginning, I would highly encourage you to get a timer on your phone and just sit it there and just let it be. If it's 10 minutes, so be it. 15 minutes, whatever it is. It, it's not about, remember, it's not about how much time. It's about the quality of time. Right? And then here's what you do, okay? Ancient practice called centering prayer. Now, when I, I'm going to share these, but I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to do any of these. I'm just giving you some things to think about. Here's why I say you don't have to do it, because I don't want you to get caught up on the mechanics and then miss God. Okay, so this is just some things. You can do it. You don't have to do it. Okay, this is just to hopefully get you appetite going on this. But there's this thing called palms down when you're meditating, which simply means this. I like to sit. Put my palms down. What I'm doing first is I want to release everything to the Lord. All the concerns that I have. And this is a sign of me surrendering. I'm, I'm, I'm releasing it. If you don't want to do this, you don't have to. But sometimes we need something to help us focus. Right? And so when I have my palms down, what I'm doing is, is what are those things right now in my mind that I need to release to the Lord so I can really have a moment? And you got to be honest. And you got to be as honest as possible so nothing gets logged in your mind. So it could be things like, God, I, I have a doctor's appointment today. I just want to release that to you. I don't want to be worried. I don't want to be scared. Maybe it's your marriage. God, you know how it's going right now, and I just want to surrender my marriage to you. Maybe it's your finances. God, I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my mortgage this month. But I'm coming to you first before I worry about it. And you go on and on. Whatever it is, you just release it. Just keep releasing it. And when you feel like, okay, I've, I've released everything I can think of, then what you do is you reverse it. Now you receive. 
and you receive the things that you want that are opposite of what you just released. So if I'm worried, I say, Lord, now I'm receiving your peace. If I'm tense, Lord, I need you now to quiet my thoughts. If my kids are out of control, Lord, I need you to bring me in and help me focus again on why am I a parent. Whatever it is, just be honest and real as possible with the Lord. And when you feel like you've received it all, here's the most challenging part is now it's it's time for him to speak. Here's where silence comes in. I need to be still so I can receive what I just prayed about. Because sometimes here's what we do. We pray, we go. But we didn't give him a chance to cement those things. The peace, the grace that you want. That's why I tell you, don't be in a rush to leave. I think the most powerful times of church is after I'm done preaching, to be honest with you. When we sit with the Lord for a little bit. And let him now download his will and purpose. And this is going to take time. I know it's, it's difficult because we're so used to going, going, going. And I recommend this. Have a focus word. A focus word brings you back because your mind's going to wonder. It's good to have a focus word that just kind of brings you back to the focus. I like to just say Jesus. You can choose whatever you want. Hope, healing. But just know that when you're saying that word, you're telling your brain, we're focusing here in this moment. We're not going to let this moment pass us by because God is going to say some things to us. Now, here's the reality of this. Some days you're not going to hear anything. Nothing's going to happen some days. But guess what? You showed up. And God honors faithfulness. God will honor your consistency. I believe this. God sometimes doesn't show up because he wants to see, can you trust me by faith? You know, sometimes we come to church and you're like, oh my gosh, church was awesome. I had goosebumps and I was crying. And then the next week you're like, what happened? I have no goosebumps and crying. Because God's not a feeling. Maybe this week you're saying, I don't want no goosebumps. I just want you to go obey what I told you to do. So you can't put God in a box and say, okay, it happened like this last time. It's going to happen again. No, no, no. God will always show up in a unique way. That's what I'm saying. I can share this stuff with you, but you don't have to do any of it because God is unique to you. This is just some things to think about. And then I would encourage you, just take one verse and let that verse take center stage in your heart. Like this thing I just shared with you today, this should last you a week. God, why am I here? Imagine you show up every day this week for 20 minutes with God. God, why am I here in life right now? And let him day by day begin to deconstruct some things and then construct you back. And if you feel led to after that, you want to pray out loud, go for it. Sometimes you feel the urge to just express some things to God. You go for it. But the key is, if you hear him, which most of the times he speaks through here because he already spoken. If he impresses something on your heart, it's, you got to act. Here is the catch. If you don't act, he won't give you anything else. If he says the reason why you haven't been at peace is because you haven't forgiven someone, he's not going to walk away from that until you forgive. 
until you decide, like, God, whatever you say I'm going to do, he's not going to reveal anything else to you. And, and I would say this, I hope you catch this, some of us are stuck because we haven't obeyed what God already said to do. And that's how God reveals himself. He never gives you the full, he gives you step by step, moment by moment. Here's the next thing. Your word, he says, is a lamp to my feet. What does a lamp do? It just lights the immediate. God doesn't get away from himself. He doesn't get ahead of you because you can't handle it all. He just gives it to you for this moment. And I believe today he's already said some things to us. If you're paying attention. He's speaking. The question is, are we going to listen and obey? Because that's how he now wants to give more of himself. You see, he said this in his word. He says, if I can trust you a little, then I want to give you more. And let me end by, by saying this. Go to my last slide. It's about progress. This takes a lot of patience. Like I said, some days nothing's going to happen, but you showed up. It's about conditioning your mind to pause. It's about training your mind that there's a God and you're not it. It's about being still enough to hear him. Don't be afraid. This is new territory for a lot of you. But it's an awesome place to venture into and see what could happen. Because think about it. We have nothing to lose. We're already losing without him. And here's what's going to happen. The focus slowly but surely will go from you to him. And the pressure comes off of you because it's like, it's, I don't have to make this happen. I can always know when I need to go meditate. It's when I, I'm on. And my second Holy Spirit knows. That's my wife. My wife knows when I'm tense. She goes, you need to go. You need to go. I'm not tense. That's when you know you're tense. I lose every argument with my wife. You know why? I only say what she says louder. Like I lose every time. Like why are you tense? Why are you tense? That's when I go, man, I need to get out of here. I need to go. Meditate, spend some time with the Lord. My friends, this is not easy. it's not hard. But I do believe this. It's a game changer. If we can implement these moments of pause to reflect, to think on the goodness of the Lord and to get him. Get him. If you get God, my friends, your marriage will be blessed. Your kids will be blessed. Your finances will be blessed. Trust me. Seek the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. He is faithful to do it. Just put him first. Put him first. Come on, stand up with me. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.